Welcome to Mastering Money, the Educator's Edition, where we will talk about the latest in financial literacy education. I'm Garth Sharif, a small business owner and financial literacy volunteer for Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. CPA Canada provides no-cost programs and free online resources that help Canadians own their finances and learn the language of money. This episode is part of our podcast focusing on helping Ontario small businesses get through the pandemic. Our guests will help us navigate through this new world, as well as provide insight on what the future may look like, including support and resources for small business owners. CPA Canada's sponsor for this Ontario Small Business Series is the Government of Ontario. Their support helps make this event possible. You can find our podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. If you have any questions, you can get in touch with us at financialliteracy at cpacanada.ca. Today, on November 26, 2020, we are pleased to be joined by Lisa Zamparo, CPA, founder and owner of The Wealth Company, blogger, financial strategist, lifestyle optimist, and mom of two. Lisa is here to talk to us about her entrepreneurship journey, holding on to a dream, and adapting in a time of uncertainty. Welcome, Lisa. Glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you today. So Lisa, very excited to have you and your company, The Wealth Company, a fantastic and cool name spelled W-E-L-L-T-H. Love the creativity. And what we like to ask entrepreneurs and founders of their business is how you came to found your business, the journey to The Wealth Company. Sure. I actually love telling this story. My journey as an entrepreneur really started very young in my life as a kid, I grew up with two entrepreneurial parents. They were both self-employed. So I grew up around that model of working for yourself. And I think on some level, I always knew that I would eventually run my own business when I grew up. As a kid, I actually used to play office instead of playing house like some other kids did. I'd practice answering the phone, pretending to talk to clients, writing myself checks. So I think it was kind of in my DNA that I would become a, a founder one day. So fast forward 25 years, I'm 30 years old. I'd just gotten married. Um, I'd spent the first part of my career working on Bay Street. I was at a big four firm where I trained to become a CPA. And then I worked as a controller for a few years in industry. So I'm on my honeymoon with my husband and we decide to go on a hike uh, to paint the picture where we were. We're in the south of France and we were exploring the beauty of what are called the Calanques. I don't know if I'm saying that word right, but there's a national park out there in Cassis. And so we thought, let's hike out to one of these private beaches. So we thought that this hike would take about an hour and three hours in, we finally arrive at the beach. Uh, We have a fun time, but on our way back, we know that we're in for a three hour hike out back to our car. So we start chatting about, you know, what do we want the next five years of our life to look like since we've just gotten married and it's this turning point in our lives. And I shared with him, you know, I've, I've enjoyed my career so far, but I think I'd like to try going out on my own. And I don't know a better time to do it than now. We don't yet have kids who are feeling pretty financially secure. What do you think? And we spent the next three hours talking through what that would look like for our family, how we would manage that financially, how, what kind of business would I start? It was a really fun way to start the business. So the inspiration 
was from my own personal journey. I've always been interested, like I shared, in business and money and finance. I became a CPA for that reason. But I found that working with really big companies felt a little stale for me. And so I wanted to take the skills that I had learned on Bay Street and working in in a large corporation and bring that to, to small businesses and to individuals. The original idea for the wealth company was actually to take the model of running a business and apply it to personal finances. So that's where I started. And five years later, things look a little bit different. Wow, what an amazing journey from playing the office. I love that as a child playing playing the office to just that moment. And this was at the time that you were married. So without kids, because you have two now. So life's a little different and we're going through a crisis at this time as well. So there's a lot of challenges for you and other small business owners. So what an amazing journey. And Part of the journey that you've had and a lot of small business owners have had, especially this year, have been facing challenges. And it might not have been this year. It might have been your journey throughout beginning your company and to where it is today. So we wanted to ask you, as someone who has been an entrepreneur and also worked inside a larger organization, what have you seen as a a large challenge to you as an entrepreneur? Well, certainly there have been challenges this year with what's happening in the pandemic. But if I start by kind of scaling back to thinking about in my five years of running a business, a challenge for me was was really nailing the business model of what was the service that I was going to offer. So like I mentioned before, I started off with the idea of doing personal financial planning. Um, But that idea felt really, it was really challenging for me to get off the ground. Um, And what I found was most of the clients who I was attracting were young women who were self-employed a lot in the creative freelance world. And they had questions about how do I manage my personal finances, but also how do I grow my business and how do I file my taxes? How do I do bookkeeping? And as a CPA, I was very well positioned to answer those questions. So the business naturally evolved into the version that it is today, which is a financial services firm providing tax bookkeeping and consulting services for what I call micro businesses. All my clients have less than a million of revenue, a handful of employees, maybe, so I think that challenges can be nailing what exactly it is that you're going to do and be, be comfortable with shifting things around and following, for me, it was following the path of least resistance. So I like to sum that up by saying, be really firm with your why, but be flexible with your how. So my why was always to make money, finance, and business, I guess, more accessible to people especially millennials. And the how was very flexible because the services that I've been offering have shifted since that first idea on on our, our honeymoon hike. I wrote that down. That's a great takeaway. We can apply that right now to the crisis and the pandemic, which is how we find the opportunities and be firm on the why, flexible on the how. I really like that. And you were firm on the why, so you knew your purpose, and that's the way I interpret that part. How did you remain flexible on the how? I think that's something that you know we would all like to do, be able to be flexible and adaptable. How do you do that? What's something that you've done to remain flexible on the how? Yeah, I think I can speak mostly to service-based businesses because that's the business that I run. Uh, but I think this applies to product-based businesses as well. It's really listening to your clients and your customers, listening to the questions that they're asking you and the problems that they're sharing, and then reflecting on, you know, how can I solve that for them in a way that leverages my skill set and is still aligned with the ultimate why of why I left the corporate nine to five to start my own thing. 
That's fantastic. As we think about being flexible here in the crisis, the pandemic, especially for small business owners, we want to remember that we can be flexible, but understanding your goal, because your goal was always the same throughout, your purpose to help those that need financial support, financial advice. And I just wanted to explore one thing before we move to the next question. You said the creative side, like your clients are in that space. What are some examples of the service lines that you've been helping? Uh, You said under a million, so they're smaller organizations just getting started. I'm just curious myself as a creative type. So my first handful of clients were mostly photographers, freelance photographers or photojournalists. And then I started working with some creative graphic designers, brand strategists. I have worked with some product-based businesses. I worked with a capsule wardrobe company that has actually shifted now into a a service-based business. They're more of an incubator testing out different business model ideas. Um, I've worked with wedding planners. It's amazing. I mean, I think helping the creative community is fantastic. I have done some acting and worked in theater and some film. And I, I think that community does need support, especially financial help. And they have ideas and to get the advice from an expert and with your business is fantastic for them. So that's great for, for that community as well. The next question I'd like to ask you is, have you had to alter wealth company because of the uncertainty in the economy that's been created by the pandemic? How has that affected your business? When the pandemic first hit and we were faced with closures and there was so much uncertainty about how long things would last and what kind of support was going to be offered, I, like every other business owner, was facing that cash flow uncertainty of what does this mean for my future sales? And uh, at the time I had two employees and that was really important to me. It was really important to me that I, I keep them employed. Not only was my financial security at stake, but so was was my team. Um, so that felt like an extra stressor. And the other thing that's interesting for my business in particular is because I'm a seasonal business, or most of my revenue is seasonal with tax season, and I'm also still growing in growth mode. For the first few months, while there was a wage subsidy, I actually wasn't eligible for it, just the way that the timing of my revenue flowed. <laughs> So that was an interesting challenge, but I was lucky to have access to the placebo loan. So having that that extra cash in the bank gave me that safety net and the comfort to let me hang on to my employees. We didn't change their working hours at all. It was still a very busy time for us, so I was happy to have that support too. That's great. I mean, a lot of small business owners, they're thinking about their employees and what they can do to keep them on so that they can support them. And so the SIBA alone, was that a big part of allowing you to keep your two employees with your company? It helped me have peace of mind, knowing that I had a runway, that even if after tax season, if the tax season didn't go the way that I thought, which ultimately it ended up going very well for us. Um, But I knew that at the end of tax season, I still had a runway that I didn't have to worry about keeping them on payroll. And then the other complication or added excitement maybe is that I was actually pregnant at the time. So when the pandemic hit, I think I was like four months pregnant and I had my baby in the end of August. (laughs) So yeah, that made things a little, a little extra challenging for me. Just to ask this question, because there's so many hats you're wearing, you're running a business, mom of two, supporting your employees, supporting your clients. How do you balance all that uh, as we've been in this difficult time, to say the least? Yeah, I think balance is such an interesting word because when I think about balance, I imagine calm, serene, somebody that has it all together. But I think what balance feels like for me, practically speaking, is giving myself permission to be imperfect. 
and asking for a lot of help. I feel very lucky that during the pandemic, things were structured in a way in my family where I was able to lean on my parents and my husband's parents for childcare. So I had a lot of support during that lockdown period. I think being able to ask for help and having a great team around you, whether that be a team of employees or family and friends or professionals that you rely on for your personal life, nobody can do it on their own. I know I've heard a lot that it takes a village to raise a a baby, to raise a child, but it's the same as true, I think, to create a business. It's really hard to do it all by yourself. That's fantastic uh, advice, Lisa, and how important it is to reach into your network, not just for your business, but for your family, if you can, to find help or even provide help as well on the other side of things. That's amazing that you've had the support to find time because there's a lot of demands on your time, uh, as, as we can hear. So as an entrepreneur and with maybe some of your clients facing financial difficulty and you're providing them support, our listeners would like to have as many ideas as they can from our experts. And one of the questions I'll ask you is, what can entrepreneurs do to increase their odds of surviving through times of uncertainty? That's such a great question. And I didn't have the opportunity to share some of the the things that I had to do to make sure that my business would survive. So I think that the first thing is making sure that you have cash in the bank. Cash or capital preservation is a, a really important thing both during times of uncertainty and, you know, I would say even kind of before things go wrong, because if you're running lean on cash before an economic crisis, it can be really hard to sustain that. So that's where having access to things like loans or the SIBO loan, it comes really in handy and, and the wage subsidy. But the other part about capital preservation is also looking at your cost structure of your business. So one of the really difficult decisions that I had to make was letting go of my office space. And this was something that was really close to my heart because I work out of, or I used to work out of a co-working space called Make Lemonade in downtown Toronto. I was actually one of the first members of Make Lemonade. I met the founder, Rachel right as she was opening the space. And I really connected with the community there with the brand and the values that she was building. So I've actually operated my business as part of that community, basically since, I'd say since year one, I was on my own, but since year two, three, year five. Um, So I started off as a day pass member, built up to having a team of four renting four desks. And when the pandemic hit, they had to close their doors temporarily they weren't able to have people working in the co-working space anymore so our team shifted to working virtually and then because I was pregnant expecting my second child and thinking about how the next year was going to look for me so there was that personal aspect but then also the cash flow of my biggest expense outside of the people on my team was rent and if I was no longer going to be meeting with people in person it didn't make sense for me to have that big overhead cost every month Um, So I ended up letting go of my desks, which was a really hard decision, but I knew it was the right one both for me because I needed to to make sure that my business would survive. Uh, And also it was just a lifestyle change of we didn't know how long the pandemic was going to go on for. And it was a a choice that had to be made. So I think, like I said, looking at your cost structure is is definitely an important piece of making sure that you'll survive times of uncertainty. That's a really tough choice because for small business owners, prior to the pandemic, if you have a location, if you have a space, that's really part of like, that's 
something that you can say that's an accomplishment. Your business operates in a space. And so that's an example of a difficult decision. And there are others uh, as well. So how did you come to make that decision? Because there's an emotional side to it, like to give up, for example, your space. And you can look at the numbers. You can see the number side of what you might have to do. But how do you come to accept that decision, which is you know, a very difficult decision as a small business owner? That's such a great question. I I think as an accountant, I'm very comfortable crunching the numbers to see what story does the numbers tell me. And you're right, on paper, it was a no-brainer, but my heart had a difficult time with it. And what I found for myself and from working with my clients who are largely creative and very in touch with their emotions is a lot of the time, I do believe that we know at a gut level what the right thing to do is. And you can check to see how it feels when you think, for me, with the decision with rent, it was when I think about letting go of these desks, yes, it's hard, but there was also a sense of peace or of relief of that. I won't have to worry about this large expense in my business. I can still keep my team and it's not necessary for me right now. So as much as, as an accountant, I say, look at the numbers. There is also that gut check of, I think, you know, what's right for you in your business. I really love the relationship because you're providing the creative cl- clients that you have your side of things and you're also learning from them. Like the the gut side, you know, you might need to bring the numbers to them so that they don't just go with their gut. And this side, they're giving you some sense that your gut also is something that you can trust sometimes, even if it's a difficult decision. That's really amazing. I found it so interesting how frequently small business owners intuitively know what the answer is. And they need the accountant to go crunch the numbers to reaffirm that for them. So I found that to be the case more frequently than having to scale someone back and say, no, you're absolutely wrong. This is actually what's happening in your business. Usually that happens when somebody is in avoidance or denial. They're not wanting to look at it. But for somebody who's paying attention, I think you know what's happening in your business. That's great. So, I mean, there's there's both sides of that. It's the knowing about your business, knowing what you know, the experience that you've had, and also doing the work on the financial side. The next part of this in terms of thinking about small businesses and, and your company and your journey is planning. It's hard to think about the future, but we would say to small business owners, entrepreneurs to try to be proactive, even though it's difficult. So how can entrepreneurs plan amidst all this uncertainty? Well, for me, the the benefit of planning in an economic situation like this is less about being able to accurately predict what's going to happen, because truthfully, I don't think that any of us are able to do that. It's more about giving yourself the peace of mind and letting you sleep at night, knowing that you know what steps you would take if X, Y, or Z happens, whatever that sort of worst case scenario is to you, whatever that crisis looks like. I love the quote, worry is a misuse of the imagination. And I think that really applies here. Meaning that we can spend a lot of time ruminating or worrying over things that might happen. And that takes the same sort of mental faculties as using our imagination creatively to come up with potential solutions. So for me, planning is about shifting out of the worry mindset into a more creative innovation space and thinking about what would I do if? I wrote that down. I'm getting a lot of fantastic quotes from you, Lisa. Worry is a misuse of the imagination. You're a very creative person, but also with your your clients as well, being in the creative field, this is such a great energy. So part of this is, for a lot of us, I, I love this quote, but we're also a group that tends to worry. <laughs> that can stifle the imagination, the ability to plan or, or to maybe make adjustments. So 
How do we access that imagination? What are the things that you've done to maybe you know, accept that there's some worry, but find that place where you can use your creativity and make changes? Yeah, I think there's two aspects to this that I, I would look at. The first one is making sure that you have a great team around you. And we talked about this before, having access to mentors or consultants, accountants, even a therapist, like somebody that you can talk to to vocalize those worries. So the team around you is really important. I think the other thing that the team brings is a third party perspective, because when it's your business, it is so emotional and important and it hurts to make hard decisions. But when you talk to somebody who's outside of the business, they can bring that objective lens to the conversation and remove some of the emotion from it. But I think in order to be ready to have that conversation, it's also important to own and honor what you are feeling. So I've heard the words toxic positivity a lot lately around on social media. And I think I agree with that. I don't want to tell business owners there's nothing to worry about. Sure, there is. I'm, I don't want to pretend like there's nothing wrong. So it's important to, to own that and to say, yes, I'm worried. I'm scared. Name the feelings. <laughs> uh, and that will help you move through them into the space of, and now I can actually talk to my CPA about what am I going to do about this. Again, really a great advice to accept that there is something to be worried about, but to name it, to talk about it, so you can get into the space where you can maybe move past the worry and into the imagination and find that way to make the changes. I just wanted to add there, I think it's important to name the feelings, but also to name the situations, to get really specific about what are the things that I'm worried about, because that's where you can start to make those creative solutions. So for example, it's not just I'm worried about running out of money, but I'm worried about losing X clients, or I'm worried about my doors closing and not having that income coming in. The more specific you can get about the thing that you're worried about, then the more specific a solution you can come up with. It's really hard to tackle problems that are just, I'm worried my business is going to fail, right? That is going to make us feel even, even more worried because that's not really a solvable problem. But losing X client, we can get behind and create an action plan to address if that happened. So you would say to drill down and really be a little bit more specific about what that worry is. So worry about your business family might be, it's a worry, but it's too high in terms of what actually is it that you're specifically worried about. Yeah, absolutely. How would you help someone sort of put this into more specific terms in terms of what their worries are? Because they might be, as a small business owner or an entrepreneur, as we said, it's very emotional. And sometimes we think with, we think a little bit like, Oh, my business is going to fail. We think in those emotional terms and it's hard for us to kind of see what we're really meaning with that. How would you help someone kind of maybe get more specific about what that worry might be? Yeah, well, that's where talking to that objective third party is really important. And I like to play the game of why. I'm worried about my business failing. Why? And when you ask that question several times, it helps you drill down into the more specific layers of, of what's really eating at you. That's fantastic. As a parent uh, as well with two kids that are older, that uh, why phase is also something you can learn from kids. <laughs> you get a lot. You can, sometimes you get down into the molecular level with, with the, you know, the hundredth why, but that's fantastic. I love that. It's a curious mind as well, just to keep asking why and, and drill down. That's true. So the other part of this is that there might be those that look at their business and say, okay, I, there are some changes I might need to make. I need to use my imagination, be creative, find the place to make changes. There also can be aspiring entrepreneurs, even in this time, looking for a way to, to start something. So for aspiring entrepreneurs, 
how do you identify opportunities and navigate getting into entrepreneurship during this environment? I think it comes back to, you know, what I said about be firm on your why, flexible on your how. You can start by figuring out the why of why you want to start a business. What's the problem that you want to solve? Start talking to people who have that problem and understand more specifically what that problem looks like and how you can start solving it. It's been really interesting to me in the last few months as I'm taking consult calls with potential new clients, how many times I've heard someone say, I'm working full-time or I was working full-time, but because of the pandemic, I started to explore my side hustle. And now it's big enough that I can do that full-time. So it really is a testament to the idea of creative destruction, that when things are going terribly wrong, there's also seeds of potential for them to start going terribly right for you. So I think being from on the why, asking questions, and even joining communities where you can talk with other experienced and new business owners. For me, joining the co-working community Make Lemonade was such an important part of the growth of the wealth company. I could look at my revenues to say the month that I joined from there, I could see exponential growth because I was surrounding myself with like-minded people and also going where my clients were. So I think that those are steps we can take. Now, you can't go in person anymore, but there are lots of virtual communities. You can find them online just by Googling what's happening in your neighborhood. They're on Facebook. Uh, they have communities for you know different industries. I've started joining um, communities related to moms and business. That's so sort of a newer role for me that I'm stepping into. That's also reminds me of the podcast we just talked about with stress on fighting loneliness as well. I mean, communities and how important that is to entrepreneurship for ideas, but also support. So that's fantastic advice. And how is that community for you? How is that as a support, the community you just mentioned that you're, you're a part of now? The Make Lemonade community is fantastic. I think by choosing a community called Make Lemonade, which is based on the idea of make out of when life hands you lemons, you make lemonade. I surrounded myself with other fellow lifestyle optimists, quote unquote, or, you know, people who are actively cultivating a positive mindset and want to look at things from a creative problem solving perspective. Um, so I've been able to meet a lot of great friends and clients who I also consider friends and we support each other and, and rally around problems and help uplift each other, which is certainly important when we're sitting alone at home or at home surrounded by chaos of young kids and a partner who's also trying to work. Um, it's important to have those people to bring the sunshine into your life. That's fantastic, Lisa. And I had a question during this conversation. I've myself gotten a lot more optimistic just talking with you. You have a great sense of positivity and I feel my energy going up. So this is wonderful for me. Sometimes uh, get into the worry and I see it sometimes actually getting in the way of my imagination. So talking to someone like you who has uh, a great perspective and have written so many things down. And I'm just wondering for your clients at Wealth Company, at your company that are struggling, that you have to maybe give difficult or have difficult conversations. How do you approach those? How, how do you approach those conversations where you might have to give difficult suggestions or have them make difficult choices? How do you help them make those choices? Oh, that's a really good question. I think what's been successful for me is connecting with the emotional part of business and recognizing that business is so much about the people 
who run them and you know the clients of the business. It, it really is a people thing. So I think the way you start the conversation, having the difficult conversation starts before you get on the phone or on the Zoom call, but it's also about the relationship that you've built with that person over time and building up a level of trust. So what I found is the clients that I work with, I choose specifically who I work with because I know I only have so much time and it's very important to me that I be able to build that kind of trust because I want to be able to have those kinds of conversations. So I'd say that's that's the number one thing is making sure you've already made deposits into somebody's trust bank account so that when you have to deliver difficult news, it's, you know, they're they're going to know that it's coming from a good place. And then I also, as much as my business is about talking about the numbers, so we will run through the scenarios. And I like to go through, uh, here's a likely case, here's a worst case, and here's a you know, a, a positive optimistic case. So so we look objectively at what do the numbers tell us. And then I also talk about, you know, how do you feel about what these numbers are telling you? I don't know that every accountant asks that question. It can be kind of uncomfortable what comes up with clients. Um, but like I said, I think it's important to honor both sides of, of the business coin, that it it is about the money because we're in business to create profit. But profit by itself, you know, there has to be some meaning behind it. And that's where our why and our emotions tie in. I'm a CPA as well, and I'm immersed in that community. The question of how do you feel is not something that we always, it's not a question that comes up a lot amongst uh, our group. So that's amazing because that's really an important question to ask because you can, I think it comes back to, can you get to the place of what the worry is and where you can help? And I, that does come down for entrepreneurs to a lot of feelings. So that's a great question. How do you feel? We're going to ask, as we've asked other guests, one last question. I just want to let you know, all the. I've written down a lot of quotes. Worry is a misuse of the imagination. Be firm on the why, flexible on, on the how. I just think I like those. For me, I'm a visual person. So I, I just like thinking of these phrases in a way that I can say, okay, I'm, I need to be... I accept the, the worry and start thinking about what I can do with it to be creative. And I think you've done a great job really conveying that to our listeners. And so we've asked our guests this question, what is one thing you would tell small, medium business owners, entrepreneurs to help them stay positive during this challenging time? All right. Well, I'll throw one last quote out at you. I also really love quotes, as you can probably tell from the amount that I've shared. And this one, it comes from the wall of the Make Lemonade workspace. When you walk in, it says, we believe we can, so we do. I think the key to optimism and positivity is faith and belief in yourself. I think I'd like to wrap up by sharing a bit of a story of what I've seen happen at Make Lemonade, because this is such a a great example of a business, a physical location business, their revenue is based on having people sitting in desks at their office. And that was taken away when the pandemic hit. And so a lot of businesses might say, what can I do? That's what I was in the business of doing. And now I can't do it and throw their hands up. Um, but because in like the core values at Make Lemonade is this idea of you know turning lemons into lemonade, the founder, Rachel, and her right-hand person, Ashley, got really creative. And, you know, they they had already been thinking about building a virtual community. It was something they wanted to do. And when the pandemic hit and the doors closed, they just jumped right into action of, okay, this is the next version of Make Lemonade. And in the last couple of months, I've seen that online community absolutely explode. And I think their business is is doing wonderfully. 
Now, I'm sure in that journey, they had their own version of having to sit and face the hard feelings. But it just goes to show that so much of our success is about mindset and following your intuition on on what's right and then making sure the numbers align next to it. One of the key opportunities from this pandemic, I think, is looking at the shift to digital and online. Even I'm considering doing that in my business. When when you asked me about how have I had to change my business model, so far I haven't had to change it, but seeing everything go online, we already operated online with our clients. We are a paperless firm, but it's made me think about how can I bring this concept of digital products into the wealth company so that I can help even more people because it's certainly scalable as well. What a fantastic story. And I really liked you sharing the story of Make Lemonade. That's fantastic. Love the name and I love the creativity. And I can tell you after this conversation, I feel like writing down a bunch of ideas. And I hope our listeners feel like that too, because I love the positivity and and really tapping into the creativity, even amidst a crisis to find that space for entrepreneurs. And that's something that entrepreneurs do well. They're creative. And um, just finding that mindset, as you've said, I think that's fabulous advice to leave our listeners. So thank you, Lisa, for your time today. We really appreciate it, uh, all the advice that you've given us as well as your experiences. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Lisa, for sharing your story, knowledge and tips for small business owners navigating through this difficult time. To our listeners, you can click to resources mentioned in this episode in the description for this podcast in your podcast app. Please note, this is a recorded podcast. The views expressed by our guests are theirs alone. The information presented is as current as of the date of recording. New and changing government restrictions and assistance programs may have come into effect since the recording date. Please seek additional professional advice or information before acting on any podcast information. Thank you to the amazing producers of Mastery Money, Mike Masood and Catherine Crawford, whose hard work and care behind the scenes makes this podcast possible. This has been another episode of Mastery Money, the Educator's Edition, brought to you by Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. Please rate and review us. If you'd like to get in touch with us, our email is financial literacy at cpacanada.ca. In these uncertain times, be well, be kind, be safe. We are on this journey together.